You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Amy Mallon, thank you so much for joining me today on the Beauty Debut. Um, Amy Mallon, <laughs> I know you're my soul sister, Amy. Amy is so um, has been a national director of many top brands, national director of education. She is a wonderful public speaker and has um, taught many classes at many of the national trade shows here in the U.S., and she also has um, worked for different brands in, in doing beauty blogs. So Amy is very experienced and ha- has had a amazing career. So and her and I have worked together actually for about 10 years on and off. So I've had the pleasure of working with Amy personally. And I'm so excited for her to share today everything that um, she's been through. <laughs> so <laughs> Amy. Thanks, Claudia. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, it's- it's so good to be here. Good. Um, I'm glad know. that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to um, give a little overview of, you know, how we met and how I arrived here and what that looks like. Yeah. How did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> how, why am I here? Why so, are you here, um, Amy? <laughs> so first of all, I have always been obsessed with beauty, with glamour. Um, I think that's why we've always gotten along so well, Claudia, because yes. we're really cut from the same cloth. Um, but <laughs> that's for sure. My, yeah, my grandmother was actually an old Hollywood movie actress. And um, from the moment that I kind of peeked into her bathroom drawer that had amazing products of different colors, I just, the beauty bug hit. And I knew that this industry was really meant for me. So I kind of started my career actually in college. I started doing makeup on my friends and then for um, runway shows and photo shoots. And um, it just kind of blossomed from there. I came to a crossroads in about 2008 where I was deciding whether I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor. (laughs) Believe it or not, I've always been an ingredient junkie, Um, an executive director of a nonprofit or an esthetician and I chose aesthetics and I really never looked back. So I've been very fortunate. Um, I don't think I've ever known that. That's amazing. So those are some pretty, that's a pretty big decision. I mean, all of those career paths (laughs) would have been such, you know, rewarding in different ways. And, but what made you settle on aesthetics out of the three? Well, I think it's perfect. The perfect combination of all of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked quite a bit in nonprofit before I came to beauty. And I think one thing that's always driven me, that's always fueled me is kind of this altruistic concept of helping people. You know, although, you know, the joke is that beauty is skin deep and, and it kind of has a reputation of being more of a shallow type industry. Um, I think that what we do in beauty is just so impactful when it comes to helping people's self-esteem, helping them to feel and look better. And for me, that's really what, what is responsible for me moving forward in this industry, um, because I just love that side of things. So I've been really fortunate to work not only in the treatment room um, as an esthetician, um, in the oncology aspect, I've worked in salons, um, medical facilities, But um, on the vendor side, you know, I've been here now for about 13 years, and um, I've been a salesperson, (laughs) I've been a marketing manager, 
um, a director of education um, for two different companies, actually, a global educator, uh, and uh, I love it all. <laughs> I think uh, in my most recent position, um, you know, I, I managed a really big education team, a team of about 15 different educators, and I think growing people is an even more exciting part of our industry, too. So, um, Within that, I know you kind of mentioned it, but I've also done a lot of on um, platform speaking, um, product development, a ton of writing, both for publications, for blogs. I've been in videos. So I always laugh when people ask me about my experience and kind of my, um, my contributions to beauty because I truly feel like I've done just about everything. And you have, <laughs> you have. And I remember <laughs> meeting you, you know, let's just say 10 years ago when I started with Glow Professional, you were our educator and you, um, you know, when it was like the new group of sales um, associates that, you know, were there for the training for the full week. And, you know, that's when I first laid eyes on your, your beauty and you were teaching <laughs> us all about waxing, um, with Lycon wax. And that was yeah. my first impression. I remember you so clearly <laughs> with your beautiful dark hair and your red dress, and you had such an easy way of the way you spoke and, you know, brought forward the information. And I think that's really valuable and an educator is just, you know, your approach was always so easy to follow and you just made it so seems so easy. And I know it's not an easy job. So maybe we can kind of journey into that. Like, what is it like to be a brand educator? Yeah. Um, well, I think like any career, there are certainly pros and cons. Um, but what I, what I've seen is there are certain skills and there are certain attributes that really can make someone successful as an educator. One thing I've always loved about it is that um, every day is different. Every day you are working with um, either a different rep or a different account, or you're teaching a class, or you're at a trade show, or you're writing things, or you're being creative. Um, and I think one thing that I've been really fortunate to come across in my career is that the lens and the scope of the things that I've been able to educate on have been so different. Um, I know, as you mentioned, you know, there was the waxing component. Um, I'm also a makeup artist. So there's a, a ton of makeup education that I've done, chemical peels, devices. And I think, um, you know, if you're someone who likes every day to be the same, education isn't necessarily for you. Right. Um, because really as an educator, you're interacting with so many different people and you're doing so many different things. Um, and I love that about this facet of the industry. Um, I think giving yourself different avenues and different platforms to really be creative is so important to keeping you engaged in your day-to-day -day life. But, uh, you know, as I was saying, there are, there are definitely some attributes that I've seen in the best educators and what I've really seen as a manager of educators. And I think the most important thing is really passion. Uh, I think we're fortunate to work with so many people in our industry who are so passionate, but as an educator for a brand, you are the face. You are the person who is knowing, living, feeling that brand story. And you're the one who's reiterating it every day. So Having that passion, I think, is really what makes it the most natural. Um, I think the best educators study and they learn constantly. Our industry is constantly changing, and especially right now with what's happening globally with, um, you know, the COVID-19 crisis. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing is just a daily evolution in, um, in our industry and changes in technologies, changes in packaging, changes in even how we interact with our customer. So, um, you know, I think the ability to be flexible and adaptable are both incredibly important as an educator. Like I said, you're interacting with different people, you're in different places, sometimes you're using different technologies that um, are not always as effective as you want them to be, or, you know, that malfunction while you're trying to teach a class 
or maybe products don't show up for your class. Like let's start. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Products, people don't show up, you know, um, your marketing materials don't show up. Maybe, um, you have a wardrobe malfunction. That's actually something that's happened to me before. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What bike. happened? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> well, Claudia, I know you know me well to my core, but um, I'm a little bit of a dork. and Sometimes <laughs> I feel like I am the person that always has these unfortunate incidences happen. So um, there was one particular situation where I was wearing a wrap dress and it had a button enclosure and I was in the middle of teaching a class and the button just like popped off and so I was standing in front of this group of people just kind of like with my dress wide open so oh okay um, they got a I little bit more than they came prepared for okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly gave them a show and some education <laughs> so um you always have to be ready to encounter anything you know it's just like being in showbiz you're on stage and um the show must go on (laughs) the show must go on exactly do you get I know you've you know been doing this for so many years but I'm just out of curiosity do you still get a little nervous when you have to speak in front of a group and do you have anything that you do beforehand to kind of mentally prepare yourself yeah so um that's a great question so one thing that I found with most educators is that there's kind of this like diva side to them, right? And it's a blessing and it's a curse because they have this like strong persona that they bring on when they're standing up in front of people and educating. But sometimes that persona can be a little bit more attitude than we would prefer, right? So um, one thing I'll say about myself is that I think I'm a little bit different than that. I I like to think of myself as being humble and someone who's pretty easy to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that said, I'm a pretty true introverted extrovert. It took me a long time to realize this about myself. I'm not fully extroverted. And so um, there certainly are times when I get nervous with speaking. I would say it usually happens about three minutes beforehand. (laughs) And so you'll find me looking at my notes and kind of pacing around Um, but the things that I do to prepare and to kind of prevent that, first of all, I know, you know, this is a big thing with me, Claudia, but the theme song. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's my belief that we all have a theme song, a song that plays or that would be playing if you were just walking down the street, right? You're just doing your day to day. And it also kind of serves as a function to, center you and then ground you and also pump you up at the same time. Exactly. So, yeah. so um, I know we've talked about this before, but mine is um, She's a Bad Mamma Jamma uh-huh. by Carl Carlton yeah. from 1981. <laughs> <laughs> I think yours is Madonna, right, Claudia? Yeah, it has to be a Madonna one, maybe Vogue. I don't know. Yeah. I think it, it has to yeah, be something by it. Madonna, clearly. <laughs> So, um, so that's one tactic that I use is the theme song to kind of, again, ground you and clump you up. Okay. The other thing is that I do a lot of preparation before. Um, I'm kind of a very anal and organized person. And um, so I like to sit down, have my notes in front of me, and we're talking about even weeks before, and just make sure that I feel really comfortable with what it is that I'm going to say how the talk is going to look. And then um, sometimes I even prepare by speaking it through either to my husband or my baby or my dogs. (laughs) Sometimes I'll even talk in a mirror to myself Uh just so that I know a little bit of what that delivery looks like, at least the first time that I present it. So those are kind of my main two things to keep my nerves at bay. But usually think, they subside after about five minutes or so. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as much as you prepare, you know, for anything, there's always something that happens that kind of throws you off, you know. So speaking of that, like with audience attendees, with, you know, people attending your classes or your seminars, you know, there's always like a couple of people in the audience that like to challenge or maybe <laughs> ask repetitive questions and kind of hog up the time. How do you handle those types of, let's call them hecklers? 
Yes. And they're always there, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> the, the know-it-alls. There's always a know-it-all in the crowd. Um, what I found with difficult people in general, whether or not you're standing up in front of a crowd talking to them, they just want to be heard. Um, there are people who want their voice to be heard. They want you to know that, um, that they're intelligent. They want you to know that they have good ideas. And so um, it really is all about how you handle the situation. First of all, you know, never make anything up. <laughs> I know a lot of educators who do that, who, you know, just kind of um, answer the question or try to deflect it in a certain way. And what I found is that um, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't reflect you well as an educator and as someone knowledgeable. Um, so what I like to do is either like always acknowledge them first, mm -hmm. let them be heard and say, wow, that's a really great question. I would love to address that with you offline later, or I'd be happy to get you the answer. I'm not quite sure at this time. And then always follow up with them afterwards so that you're not leaving them hanging. Um, the other thing is always find your go-to person <laughs> that you work with that um, you can vent about it afterward. And I don't necessarily <laughs> mean gossip or be dramatic because I know our industry can be like that. And yeah. I'm, as you know, Claudia, I'm, I'm not all about the drama, no. but you always have to have that person that you can vent these frustrations to so that you get them out and that you feel better moving forward. <laughs> so when it's happening I, and you're, and you're on stage and this person's challenging you, like, do you inside like want to punch them or <laughs> or just stand up and cry yeah um, or do you just you want know? to have a meltdown on stage you know I think yeah to some extent yes but I think also you have to have kind of a thought process of like okay why is this person challenging me what is so important about what they're trying to say or why do they feel like they need this attention? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they feel like they do, then I, I usually will kind of let them have their moment in the sun and just right. acknowledge that what they're saying is, is important too. Mm -hmm. No, that's really good. And that's where the professional side, um, you know, of your experience comes in. I think that's wonderful. Um, and what advice then, you know, with being a brand educator, if somebody is like, if there's an esthetician or maybe um, a sales um, executive that is looking or thinking about becoming a brand educator, what do you think they should know? And, you know, what advice would you give them? Like, how does one go from one to the other? Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I think if it's a dream and a passion of yours, then absolutely you should go for it. But I think um, the most important thing is you can want to be an educator and there's always opportunity out there to educate for various different brands. What I would recommend is to really shop around first. I think it's so important to shop around and to find that brand that really resonates with your soul and with your philosophy. Because as I said earlier, you know, it's really your job as an educator to be the face of that brand and to share the vision of the brand. And so um, if you're finding a brand that works well with who you are, that's compatible with who you are as a person, it's much easier to be organic in the way that you speak to that brand and to those products, which is why, um, you know, I think for me personally, when I educate, it comes across that way because I could never work for a brand that I didn't believe in their core philosophy. That's just not, you know, how I function. I think I'm a little bit too transparent for that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I would say uh, like now, you know, in my role with Jane Iredale, um, it's a brand that's clean and green and really, you know, committed to philanthropy and helping people and helping women in particular. And so talking about it, not only is it easy, but it's also fun, you know, Right. Um, so I think that's a huge one. I think for any makeup artists that are starting out, I would just get a job as a makeup artist anywhere. I know right now coming off of this crisis, that might be a little bit different, but getting your hands on as many faces as possible is so important. Um, different skin tones, different skin types, different shapes of faces. Um, that way, 
you know, you truly can own your craft before mm-hmm. you move into working for a larger brand. Yeah. Um, I think keep learning. Continuing yeah. that, um, the consistent knowledge retention is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, the best educators that I know are people who are always doing their research because the industry is always growing and changing. And I think the most important thing, which this is something that took me a while to learn, and um, I feel like, Claudia, you were kind of instrumental in this too, is the idea of being your own advocate. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't speak for yourself, no one will speak for you. Right. So if you want to move forward and you want to move ahead, have those honest conversations. You know, I think um, working from home, which, you know, now everybody's working from home, but working from home kind of creates an atmosphere of blurred lines. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't necessarily clock out at a certain time of day. And especially um, as an educator, education can often mean tons of traveling. Um, I had a position where, I was on the road about 90% of the time and I actually had my feet in like the Atlantic and the Pacific oceans in the same week all the oh time. My God. So, yeah, I was, um, I've always admired how you've been able to pack in a carry on. I still have not mastered that. <laughs> and I'm very jealous of the fact that you can put fabulous outfits and all your makeup. Cause I know you travel with all of your makeup and hair products and any maybe extensions or ponytails or whatever we're wearing that day. And it all fits into your carry-on. Like, that's like magic. We need to do a segment just on that. How do you do that? We should. Unaffected packing. Well, um, that takes practice. I think um, what happens in education, at least my experience in education, is that you're because you're not interacting with the same people every day and you're not going to the same places every day, um, you know, I would repeat a lot of outfits and everything that we wear is black, right? So you kind of have like your key core items. Now I will say that social media has kind of changed that, Claudia. (laughs) Okay. It's a little bigger (laughs) because now people, you know, see your outfits everywhere. So um, I try try to at least switch it up, do some different accessories. but um, Change your hair, do something different to distract. Exactly. But what I was going to say is that because, you know, when you are working at home, the lines are so blurred and, you know, now we have our company cell phones and we have laptops and we don't check out from work. If you don't stand up for yourself and you don't advocate for yourself um, in education in particular, you're such a needed role. Um, Companies always want people who are professional and knowledgeable and willing to travel for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Obviously, now that travel is your living room, but, um, you know, I think you got to stand up for yourself. You have to say, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. And this is what I don't want. So um, those are kind of my main pieces of advice. So I think that's, again, work on it. Great advice. And I always do believe that in any role that you're in, if you're an account executive or, you know, you're an esthetician and you're wanting to work, you know, in a different capacity within this industry, you really just have to let it, let it be known and, and network and and voice that this is where I want to go. You know, people are always willing to help you get there. If you are just really clear about the direction you want to take in your career. I mean, that's been my experience. I think people will help. Yes. Yeah, and even if it doesn't exist, that's that's the crazy thing that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. If you can see a clear path to a position, even if it's not an existing one, but if there's a hole or there's a need in the company that you are working for or you want to work for, um, present it to the people in charge. Because yeah. a lot of times the new and innovative ideas that they get actually come from other people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I know that you've managed a team of um, educators, and that's like managing a bunch of artists and creative people, and that can have its own challenges. Um, you know, what, ha- what have you learned most about that? And, and what tips can you give maybe for others that are currently managing a larger team? Because I know that can sometimes be a thankless job. It's rewarding, but it can also be, you know, a challenge. Yeah. 
it, you know, it is a challenge. And I think, um, you know, in my, in my last role, I was managing 15 people mm-hmm. and um, 15 different artists, which you're so right. Um, artists kind of think differently. I think the most important thing is to learn what fuels your team, because you may have a certain reason that you get up in the morning. You might have a certain um, theme or, or something that you're working toward, you know, whatever it is that drives you may not be the same as what drives your team. Mm -hmm. So I think learning what that is for each individual person and then helping to motivate that way is huge. Um, Because you can say, yeah, I have a huge bonus for you. And the person working for you cannot be fueled by money at all. You know, they just want accolades or they, they want you to share some of the beautiful work that they've done. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's important. Um, And I think, one thing that going through this crisis has really shown me with my team was that we kind of took a step back and with the team not being able to be in the field, we said, I said, Hey, you know, what is it that each of these individuals bring to the table? Let's really capitalize on that and let's have them work on things that they love. So part of my team was doing a lot of writing. Some of them were creating videos and books. Um, you know, some of them were working on strategies for business. So um, I think it's it's knowing your people and knowing what makes them tick. And then also, um, again, what motivates and what drives them. And really listening is what I found is the biggest thing. People, again, they just really want their voices to be heard. And um, they have opinions. It's just a matter of getting it out of them. Yeah, no, I love that piece of advice. I think that's really helpful. And, you know, I also wanted to ask you, since, you know, you've done so many live videos and, you know, your Instagram, you're doing tutorials, how do you, what advice can you give to people? And I think even sales account executives and, you know, people that, like you said, now with, you know, this COVID-19, we're working from home. And I think our industry might be taking even more of a virtual route than it ever has before long-term. How do you get comfortable in front of the camera and with speaking? Are there any things that you've mastered over the years that you can share with maybe people who are really nervous about putting themselves out there and doing a tutorial or, you know, maybe, you know, what basic equipment do you think someone needs? And maybe you can give some tips on that. Yeah, well, I think um, the main one is um, setting the space. So I think making sure that you have a really clean and professional looking backdrop. Um, You know, I always joke, I'm a big fan of like wild and crazy wallpaper, but it's not always the best option when it comes to a makeup tutorial. Uh So I pick, you know, like a clean white background, Um, make sure that you have really effective lighting. I actually don't even use anything fancy. I have a mini ring light that I use. Mm-hmm. And um, it's awesome. Sometimes even a window and natural lighting can be great. Pretty much everything that people are doing nowadays or, or people want to do can be done on a phone. Um, if you have a modern enough phone, there are certain apps now that are amazing for video editing, sound editing. You can add music in the background. You can, um, you know, enhance color. So um, I'd say you know, as far as as setting up a makeup tutorial, that's kind of a huge one. And then make sure that you have all of your products in front of you and that they're clean, but you can really clean up anything in editing afterward. So, Um, so a flip phone, a flip phone won't work. No, you'll have to leave your flip phone at home, unfortunately. Your Blackberry needs to stay home nowadays. Um, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. (laughs) There's, there's some apps out there that make it really, really easy. Um, The other thing that I would have to say about that is um, don't start live. There's no need to start live. If you're someone who is introverted or you're nervous or you're not sure about what you want to say or how to talk through a tutorial, start by recording it. Record it and play it back and edit it from there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're not comfortable going live, you certainly don't have to. Um, And the other thing is that I would start with the – social media base where you have the largest followership. You know, my, um, my sister in particular was making fun of me recently because I've been doing a lot of writing lately and I don't know where to put this writing. And what I found is that I have the biggest followership on LinkedIn. So even though, you know, it's more lifestyle based type writing, 
I've been putting it there because that's where I know people are going to see it. You know, if you have like 10 Instagram followers may not be the best place for you to put some of the content that you're creating. Uh huh. That's really good advice. And I have read some of your recent articles on LinkedIn and they're amazing. So I will encourage everybody to um, connect with you on LinkedIn so they can see what, you know, you're writing about. It's very insightful and it's always really relevant to what's happening in beauty and, and with the current times that we're in. So I want to applaud you for oh, that. Thanks, Claudia. <laughs> it's, they Thank really, you. <laughs> you have a great knack for writing. You really do. Thank so that's you. kind of an interesting transition. So with social media and filming yourself and getting comfortable um, with that, um, let's talk a little bit about current trends. Let's dive into some of the latest makeup trends that are happening right now in our industry. Yeah, everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> well, I know it's our favorite topic, so. <laughs> and what, it is, what, although... what people don't know is you and I talk for hours about different makeup subjects, and we've done that for years. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do a lot of the, of the gabbing about yes. um, makeup application. Mm -hmm. um, it's even more fun when we can do it in person with um, actual products that we test out. But um, you know, I think a big one right now, um, I know we were talking about this before, Claudia, is the no makeup makeup trend, which I, I mean, I know you're a huge makeup lover, Claudia. I'm yes. shocked to even see even you embracing this trend. <laughs> Sometimes. Only when forced. Only when I'm forced to. <laughs> um, I know. You got to leave the lashes at home, girl. Oh, that's so painful. <laughs> um. Yeah. And I would say even myself, you know, I, I historically have been known to sport a lot of black eyeliner and, um, you know, a great smoky eye, but there is something, especially as, you know, we move into kind of the warmer weather to this idea of no makeup makeup mm -hmm. that, um, I am kind of loving, um, I myself, so all right, we're getting real now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm a freckle face, you guys. I, my nickname growing up, and, and don't share this with many <laughs> Well, this is going face. public, so just be prepared. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, my nickname was Cookie Face, and that's because <laughs> the first time <laughs> that I went out into the sun, I looked like a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> I have really... I'm a really fair complexed person. And oh um, so when I do get any sun exposure, even if I'm wearing my SPS 800 million, which, you know, as an esthetician, obviously I do every day, um, I still tend to get freckles. So one of the biggest questions that people always ask about makeup application on people with freckles is like, how do I do this? You know, do I just apply a thicker foundation? Do I cover them up? Do I let them show? Um, and that's what I love about no makeup makeup. You know, it's, it's the opportunity to either just wear concealer or wear a really nice light tinted moisturizer so that your true skin kind of shines through. Well, there is a brand. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called Freck. Uh -huh. and their key product is a, um, it's kind of like a liquid eyeliner and it, it's for you to create freckles on your face. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy? Yeah. So people who don't have freckles want freckles and they buy these brands, you know, freck. I mean, it looks, I've been like tempted to buy it. I have freckles too, but I do cover them. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, people are, are paying money to get freckles. <laughs> so crazy. Um, my younger self would really love hearing that because I know that's something I was really embarrassed about. Actually, my first job as an esthetician, I was working in a medical spa. I was actually an intern at the time. It wasn't even a full esthetician yet. I walked in and they were a med spa that had some like really strong products, like did a lot of microneedling, um, which at the time was like, you know, a, a really hot new technology, um, uh -huh. used a lot of hydroquinone. And the first thing this, that the spa director said to me was, oh, no, no, we can't have you walking around here with those freckles, with that oh, hyperpigmentation. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So I think it kind of stunted me, you know? Yeah. Well, that's where, that's um, where the caddy comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people 
people don't even realize that what they say will affect you for a long time. But um, anyway, so that's one thing I love about no makeup makeup is, um, you know, this idea that you don't, you can be authentically you, you don't have to wear a ton of like, you know, for a while there, the trend was really full coverage foundation, full coverage. I know, and I loved it. And I was happy. <laughs> and I was really happy at that time. Super filled in eyebrows. Oh, I'm and, loving uh, it all. <laughs> well, and, and I think that that still exists and it still has its place. Okay, but, good. But um, <laughs> if you're doing it correctly, I think it's okay. But there, right. there, as you know, there was a lot of like assumption that everybody had the same face shape right. and everybody was contouring the same way and creating this like weird um, culture where everybody looks the same. Yeah. But, uh, but I do, I love, um, I love creams. I love a luminous looking skin. I, I myself have really dry skin and I live in Denver, so the, it's super dry here. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants this like glowy, luminous look. And I think the no makeup makeup trend is kind of the perfect way to do that. Mm -hmm. so you can really beef up on your skincare and kind of cut down a little bit on, you know, the makeup. Right, right. I guess, you know, I, I have an appreciation for it on, on, you know, certain people. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm having a hard time, like, loving the no makeup makeup look to me. It's like, what's the point of spending all this money to look like you have no makeup on, um, where you could just maybe invest that same amount in amazing skincare or treatments, and then your skin looks amazing <laughs> and you don't even need makeup. What do you think yeah. about that? Well, I guess I love that concept. I mean, I think in my career, what I have found is that there really are two different types of estheticians and you can back me up on this. Okay. There are the estheticians that get into the industry because they love makeup and mm -hmm. they want to do makeup. They want to wear makeup. They want to help other people love makeup. Mm -hmm. And then there are those estheticians who got into the industry for exactly what you were saying, that they want to provide people with treatments so that they don't need to wear any or very little makeup. And I'm right? the first kind of esthetician then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> what are you? Yeah, are you are you're a combination of both, I think. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's about helping people to look their best, whatever mm -hmm. that is. I guess yeah. it all boils down to what is the point of makeup then? You know, right. is it... Well, makeup is so transformative. I think you, you were mentioning that earlier about <clears throat> our industry and how impactful it is. You know, I remember just, you know, my early days as a makeup artist in a salon, you know, helping everyday women just feel their absolute best and walking out feeling so beautiful and confident. To me, that was why I got out of bed every morning. It was so rewarding to interact and to be a part of people's weddings, you know, to do their makeup oh, for yeah. their special day. I mean, all of those things, mm -hmm. I mean, are, are and all they love through, you for it. Yeah. And they're all through makeup. It's, it's not through a no mm -hmm. makeup, makeup look. I mean, yeah, well, that's, you know, we're just having our, a greedy conversation here. <laughs> I feel like we could debate this for years. <laughs> well, I wanted to go, I wanted to share a little bit. I did a little research on clean beauty and this uh -huh. no makeup makeup trend and, and what it costs to have this beautiful no makeup makeup look. Are you interested? Ooh, yes. I would okay. love to know the answer to that. <laughs> so I started with some of the uh, popular, these popular, you know, retail brands that are out there, um, Glossier or Glossier. Uh -huh. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, yes, I just, think it's French. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Um, they're, they're, you know, and when I said no makeup, makeup, what I researched was like a skin tint or a light, you know, sheer foundation, a blush, a lip gloss, some mascara, mm -hmm. and maybe a highlighter, you know, to give that skin, you know, that dewy look. This uh -huh. is going to cost you roughly $161 at Glossier. Yeah, and Glossier, they have lower price points than some luxury brands. Mm -hmm. so, so and that's then, good to know. Yeah, and Elia, which is another new, very popular, it's going to cost you mm -hmm. um, a mere $218 to get that no makeup makeup look. Wow, wow. And then yeah. RMS is $238. So they're uh -huh. the priciest. Um, and then Beauty Counter, which is just kind of a off brand, but it's a, you know, multi-level marketing brand, but that's pretty popular mm -hmm. on social media. That is 150. 
which was the most affordable out of all of them. And then okay. you know, our two brands that we work for, La Bella Donna and Jane, are like a dollar off. So La Bella oh, Donna is 198 and Jane Iredell <laughs> is 197 Huh. And then how much does it cost to do the full glam? <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it's going to be probably double that. <laughs> right. Okay. So I think we've, we've identified what kind of women we are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if you have, you know, if you have a, about $200 to spend, you could have a no makeup makeup look. What do you think about that? I think that that what you just stated is the sole reason why finding multifunctional products is so important because if you find a foundation that also has coverage and is a CC cream and provides you with sun protection, that means more than, you know, just a lightweight tinted moisturizer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to, I know that we work for, you know, competing brands, but it's a friendly competition. Uh And I want to give you an opportunity to talk about you're, you know, working with Jane Iredell. I mean, they have been around for well over 20 years. It's an exciting brand. It's still very relevant and current even in today's market. And, you know, with La Bella Donna and Jane, you know, we were the original clean beauty brand. So how has it been working with, mm-hmm. with Jane? And, and tell me a little bit about what you love about Jane Iredell. Yeah. So I think I, I kind of mentioned some of this earlier, but as you said, um, Jane is now almost in I think the 27th year I think we just had our 26th anniversary wow. um and so that in itself is um I had well, a major wait. fangirl moment well um how old were you then when Jane was born the Jane Iredell uh, brand 27 years ago how old were you you were like seven years ago you yeah were like, I was like 11 <laughs> you were just a little you were like a little cookie face <laughs> Oh, yeah. chip cookie. I, that was that was in my key core cookie face years. Um, <laughs> so uh, yes. Anyway, yeah. So I, I actually had the opportunity to meet Jane about six months ago, and I almost peed my pants. I mean, I am just she's the real deal. Jane really she walks the talk. Um, she truly cares about people and, you know, she cares about their health, which is why you know, she created the brand in the first place. And she started it from the ground up. She started with just one product that she made in her kitchen and grew it into, you know, a brand that has well over 300 SKUs. So um, it feels like the right place for me. I think it was, it was a great decision on my end. Thank you very much for wanting me to work for you, Jane. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think you and, you and I both have had the opportunity to work for other competitive mineral makeup lines um, that were fantastic, but really, truly working for the matriarch, for the woman who started it all, I think is incredible. And, and just the commitment um, that the company has to different philanthropies. I mean, the amount of testing that Jane does on the products is amazing. She tests for um, things that no one really has to do. Things like um, irritants in the product and so much SPF testing and, um, you know, heavy metal testing and things that not a lot of brands are really willing to do. So it's just, it's an exciting time. And I, and I think even with, with what's going on in the global market right now, what the COVID crisis is really going to do is it's going to catapult people into having a deeper interest in products that are healthy and products that are good for their bodies and for, you know, their, their souls that are going to help support their immune systems as we go through things um, like, you know, this terrifying illness. So um, I'm excited to be a part of the clean beauty brand for that reason, because I think that's where people are going to move even more to toward than they have already. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I think, you know, I'm excited for you. I think they're lucky to have you because, you know, you do um, have such amazing makeup skills, but you're also an amazing educator. And they really got lucky when they got a hold of you. Oh, I hope they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we post this on all the platforms so they could hear it. <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> so I, I want to like, you know, end with you sharing your 
you know, your go-to products, um, you know, what are you using right now for your makeup? You know, what, what are you loving right now with makeup? Ooh, oh my gosh. Well, as we mentioned, you and I both fall more into that $400 look category. So there are a lot of things that I sport on a daily basis, but um, I would say like my five top items or my top five would be a great illuminating primer, which um, the Jane Iredale Smooth Affair Primer is fantastic. Okay. It has antioxidants. It's frightening. I love it. A I'll nice, have to try that one. I don't, you'll have to send me one of those. I don't, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't Will tried do. their primer. Um, it's awesome. A lightweight foundation that still gives good coverage. That's another one that's mm -hmm. really important to me because again, I like kind of that medium coverage finish, but also a product that's going to stay, which so um, what, the BB so cream brands is fantastic do you have for. On your beauty counter right now, on your vanity, what what are your go-to? I know Jane is probably one of them, but what are a couple of other brands yes. that people might want to try for a lightweight foundation? Yeah, Jane, Jane is definitely my go-to. I mean, I love the Glowtime BB Cream Foundation. It's mm -hmm. awesome. It's a really nice full coverage um, BB cream. Um, as far as other BB creams I love, um, that are kind of more in like the healthy realm? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, are you still loving like NARS um, Sheer Tint or Sheer, I think it was the SPF, the sheer last- Glow. Well, Sheer Glow, yeah, but you, I, you had tried their SP, like their Sheer SPF, I thought. Like the last, like this is probably last year that we, you know, we really got to be together. Um, we went shopping at Nordstrom's yeah. and I think you, you tried that. Um, did you end up loving that? You're spilling all my secrets. Um, I do. I do. I let, I think that NARS Sheer Glow is actually a better formulation. I think uh -huh. um, what, um, but actually, you know, it's replaced that. What? I'm laugh is um, Jane Iredell's Beyond Matte. I love it. It's really, really Matt. And, yeah. Okay. I'm surprised to hear you yeah. say that since you're dry. Okay. I know. I know. It's kind of, it's like a more modern matte. It has just like a really beautiful um, luminosity to it. Okay. Um, the other one I really love is the Loon and Aster, which is like Blue Mercury's brand. They have oh. a really, really good CC cream that has an SPF 50 in it, okay. um, which is really awesome. But okay. it has some chemical sunscreens in it. So I kind of try to avoid that. Sure. Um, sure. But those are kind of like my go-to for like day to day. Okay. Um, the other thing is I always top, no matter what foundation I'm wearing, I always top it with a mineral SPF. Always. Okay. okay. Um, and always a loose mineral for me because as I mentioned, I have really dry skin. So yeah. it gives a little bit more of like a glowy finish that uh -huh. looks natural. Yeah, I agree. So, I love um, loose mineral. that It just gives the skin such a natural, healthy look and then you're protecting your skin from the environment and you don't have to worry about reapplying your sunblock. Yeah, I have, as somebody with dry skin, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I have a really hard time with powders. Okay. Um, I find that powders look super chalky and kind yeah. of dry. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, a loose mineral powder really doesn't do that. It just has yeah. this nice kind of like a glowy finish. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, a setting spray, so a setting mist. Um, that's another I can't live without a product. If you, I know Claudia, you've seen me teach many times. Yes. You know my obsession with mist. Uh -huh. But I always have like one in my purse, one in my car, one on my desk, one by my bed because not only do they set and hydrate your skin and your makeup, but they also just make you feel like you're having a spa experience. Which, if you're having a stressful day, <laughs> is an instant pick me up. So Agreed. Um, for that, Agreed. my, my go-to fave right now is the Jane Iredale Lemongrass Love is kind of like my go-to. Okay. Um, and then a signature red lip. I feel like that's just something everybody has to have is a signature well, you look really red good lip. In reds. I, I find red sometimes to be hard to wear. Any tips on finding a good red, like for different skin tones, maybe you can share a little bit about what you think looks best on certain people. Yeah, so I think, um, first of all, it's about determining your undertone. If you're someone who has more of a red undertone than more of like a blue, or I'm sorry, a yellow undertone. I don't, I think I said red. <laughs> but if you have a yellow undertone, 
then finding something that has um, a red that has a blue in it okay. would be really, really beautiful. If you have more of like a peachy or um, a cool undertone, so you look kind of pink, um, then I would go, you know, with something that's kind of the opposite of that. So it has more of like a bright or an orangey undertone. And then for deeper skin tones, I love just kind of a good berry or something that has a little bit more depth to it. Okay. I know you and I have kind of like demonstrated that in person, Claudia, because you're a little bit more olivey right. and I'm a little bit, you know, more like fair peach. Mm-hmm. And so I love like the bright orangey red and you kind of do well with like the bold blue red family. Yeah, yeah you look great in corals and a coral lip too, because I just saw one of your recent Instagram um, posts with the coral lip. And, and speaking of that, okay. where can people find you on social media? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, so um, I'm Amy Mallon. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great Instagram. And I know that, um, you know, you post a lot of tutorials and different makeup looks and it's great. And I hope people will find you there for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for having me, Claudia. This was so much fun. It was. It's always fun talking to you. And I'm glad we got to document it because these are conversations we have <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I'm so glad. And you know, I got to learn a couple new things about you after all these years. I, I learned some new things. So I feel like I know you even better. Oh, good. I love that. <laughs> Thanks, Claudia. Well, until next time, I'm going to have you back uh, on Amy, because I'd love to dive, you know, into some other makeup looks and trends and um, have you share your knowledge in the future. I'd be happy to join you again. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Amy. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at The Beauty Debut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.